took six weeks, but I think we have found the official slogan for NFL DFS this year. Fade Cooper Cup at your own risk. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today DFS on Tuesday, October 19th. Frank Stanfield joined, as always, by Mike McClure and Sina Jad. Today on the pod, week six recap, we'll take a look at our cash and GPP lineups. Who won our FFT DFS contest and what did that lineup look like? There was a Stanfield who cashed this week. Uh, you'll find out later on which Stanfield it actually was. Early week six, pri- uh, week seven pricing, actually there. Thursday night football showdown thoughts, if we have any. Uh, it's very early, early in the week, a couple days here before. Uh, and NBA season is starting here on Tuesday. And so if you're playing NBA DFS, we will wrap up with some quick tips from Mike because I know that he is very into uh, NBA DFS. So we'll, we'll pick your brain there. Mike, what is going on? Uh, what do you think of my official DFS slogan for the season? I would definitely say it's accurate, and you'll find out later in the show that I did not fade Cooper Cup in one of the lineups. However, it still did not work out for me. Um, But yeah, he's been on an absolute terror and continues to be underpriced. Uh, The production is there. It's obviously everyone's a little slow to account for the quarterback change, I think, and how much better that uh, has been for him. So, But everything's good. I got a liquid death on deck. We got some baseball getting ready to start. It's uh, Life is good, man. Nice Atlanta Braves had too. I'm feeling it. Let's go National League. Obviously, I'm a hater on both the Astros and the Red Sox. But what is going on, Sia? How was week six for you? It was pretty terrible. Definitely my worst week by far. Coming off a really hot week in week five, week six was kind of the opposite. I had zero shares of Cooper. I didn't take your advice, Frank, and play um, Daryl Henderson. Uh, I didn't have any Jonathan Taylor this week. So while my stacks were okay, my sort of fill-in players beyond the stacks and beyond the secondary stacks, those guys all just sort of flamed out. So I finished just under the cash in a lot of my uh, cash games, and I didn't make any money in the uh, GPPs. You know, you gave me credit for Daryl Henderson. I didn't even play him enough myself. And this happens, I feel like, in every fantasy sport, in DFS, season long, whatever it might be, is that a lot of times, like, I have okay takes. Not everything's going to hit. But I just don't even follow my own advice enough. So I think that's a lesson that I am learning throughout the course of this season as well because I liked Daryl Henderson. I liked Adam Thielen last week. Just did not play enough of either of those guys. Uh, completely random before we jump into the cash game lineup. Were you guys fans of Game of Thrones? I, that's a, an admission there. I've actually never seen Game of Thrones. I, mm-hmm. I watched like one episode, but uh, never got into it during that time. And I never gave it another shot. So I have actually never seen Game of Thrones. This is why Mike and I work so well together. Because I've seen less Game of Thrones than Mike has. I literally have never seen even uh, a full 10 seconds of that show that literally everybody in the world has watched and raved about other than me and Mike McClure. Oh, man. All right. Well, I was going to make a reference. You know, I'll do it for the audience is because... (laughs) I think it's pretty good, but uh, you guys can refer, you know, the listeners, the viewers can refer to me as Ned Stark moving forward because not only is winter coming with all the snowflakes that you're going to see in my lineup, uh, but this lineup was dead. These lineups were dead by by 4 p.m. basically. So, uh, look, guys, you might have heard stuff about the ending of Game of Thrones. Still, you got to go back and watch it. So, like, at some point, you know, football offseason, whenever you can, we'll we'll sit you guys down and and make some time. Maybe we'll have a viewing session uh, for Game of Thrones here on this podcast. All right, enough of the chit-chat. Let's do it. Let's jump into our first cash game lineup here. And uh, overall, it was mostly another big week for Chalk. The Rams, Daryl Henderson, and Cooper Cup at running back, Khalil Herbert, Daryl Williams, Jonathan Taylor, they all hit uh, tight end, Mark Andrews, 
Travis Kelsey, Ricky Seals-Jones, they all hit. Wide receiver, it's kind of a weird week here, which obviously we will talk about. Uh, the chalk that did not hit is obviously the chalk that we all played. Kareem Hunt, uh, obviously he was 62% owned in the 25 dollar double up this past week uh, and T Higgins was 33% owned so let's start out here with Mike's lineup 134.18 in cash and you must have just snuck in here Mike because that was like basically where I saw the cash line was at it was like 132 134 was right around there uh, but you go with a full-on game stack which you said you were going to do Mahomes Darrell Williams Tyreek Hill Mikol Hardman, and then the double tight end play with RSJ and Travis Kelsey, which was also very popular this past week. You filled out the rest with Kareem Hunt, T. Higgins, and the Browns DST. Uh, first, walk me through this this full-on game stack that you ran with. Yeah, I told you I was going with the full-on game stack, and the, the value was just too good with Daryl Williams. Thought he'd be a little bit more involved in the passing game as well. Uh, and then just the, the, the guys were too cheap. Uh, Michael Hardman, just simply too cheap. Travis Kelsey is a wide receiver at 7K. And then Tyree Kill, I thought it was a great spot for him based on the amount of one-on-one -on -one coverage he was going to see. Uh, had a scare in that game as he did exit the game for a possession or two with that injury, but he came back fired up, ready to play. Um, what happened here, T. Higgins, we did not get the game script we thought we were going to get at all. Uh, we thought that the Lions game, this game with the Lions would be a lot more competitive. They were the very clear sharp side in the betting market at plus three and a half. A um, lot of action on that side. And Higgins stood on the sidelines and watched for the majority of the second half in this game, which is why this total for him did not uh, you know, get up. And then... Here is where I'm a little disappointed. I had the Ravens. I played the Ravens in other contests. I talked about the Ravens being the best defense to play. They showed up. They were great. And last second on this, when I played Kareem Hunt, I ended up correlating my play with Kareem Hunt and the Browns defense. That cost me a little bit. Fortunately, it didn't cost me all of the cash games. But had I not made that correlated play and just stuck with the uh, – the Ravens in this spot, it certainly would have been a better day. But um, as far as Hunt, you know, he was very clearly still hurt and he got hurt in that game. Just awful game script for them. They they really couldn't get out of their own way. Um, and, and it really killed his performance for me and, and pretty much everyone. And then last thing I'll say about this is, again, single digit Tyree kill is probably the reason why I was able to cash once again. And I will thank him for that because that that's really the only reason this lineup ended up on the correct side of the cash line. Well, I had a single-digit Tyree kill in my lineup, and I did not cash. We'll get to that in <laughs> just a little bit. Mike, how are you projecting Kareem Hunt for the week? Because basically, when I found out that Nick Chubb was out, I I wanted to full-on just jam Kareem Hunt to my lineup, similar to the levels we would do with Alexander Madison. Now, I knew Kareem Hunt was not going to get 30 touches, which basically Madison has had in both of the games that, that Dalvin Cook hasn't played in. But I thought that we were getting 20-plus touches, at least here in this spot. And, you know, the way that the Browns kind of moved the ball efficiently on the ground, I just thought that it was going to be an absolute smash. So how were you personally projecting Kareem Hunt in this spot? Uh, yeah, I don't even remember what I had his projection at other than he was the number one value on the slate by a pretty considerable margin. Uh, it's like a Madison situation. Um, you know, it's because I use an optimizer and use my projections. I, it wasn't a choice of jamming him in. It just was there. It happened. He was the number one value on the slate. That number doesn't look very pretty, but there was a really high probability of him scoring a touchdown. It obviously didn't materialize. Uh, he should have been a little bit more involved in the passing game. Like I said, they just couldn't get out of their own way, had some key turnovers with some fumbles. Um, you know, they went for it on fourth and down, fourth and goal in the red zone, didn't get there. Um, 
you know, the game could have been drastically different on both sides. And frankly, if you look at his box score and the number of points that he put up, 10 fantasy points there, that was an absolute floor performance and a floor game from him, uh, which really just goes to illustrate how good of a play he truly was uh, when he could still basically scrap his way to 11 points without finding the end zone, without having enough touches uh, in a negative game script where the team just was absolutely terrible from the start. Yeah, and it looked like he was coming on, too, in the second half, right? He started to catch a few more passes, started to break a few 10-plus yard runs, uh, but ultimately the game script and the fact that he got hurt, obviously, just completely derailed that. So right. let's hop on over to Sia's cash game lineup here. You put up 121.38 in this one, and you had a 3 by one Chiefs stack, Mahomes, Hardman, and Travis Kelsey with Ricky Seals-Jones on the bringback. Again, the dual tight end strategy was very popular in week six. You did get Khalil Herbert in there with Kareem Hunt. Both were over 52% ownership uh, in cash uh, in this particular contest. Uh, and then the other two wide receivers you had in there, DJ Moore at 6.3% ownership and Keenan Allen, nearly 29% ownership. And see, you and I both made the same mistakes. No Daryl Williams, no Daryl Henderson, no Cooper Cup. I just, how did we not wind up with any Rams? Well, the I mean, the Daryl Henderson thing makes a lot of sense in, in retrospect. I, I still, the Cooper Cup thing, just just paying that price, I, I, I didn't get it just because of the game script. And I think we've kind of figured out now that Cooper Cup is sort of game script proof. It's just, that's just the reality. There's And maybe we'll do a show on this or, or, or a segment on this where, there's certain guys, whether they're at the receiver or running back position or tight end, that are literally game script proof. And I, I think Cooper Cup, there's probably like a handful, 10 to 20. And I think Cooper Cup is one of those guys. So, yeah, that was a mistake. The bigger mistake was just landing on DJ Moore. I mean, the, the thing about DJ Moore, he dropped a few balls. And if, if he catches them, this is a completely different story. Also, uh, Darnold missed him on a few balls, too. I mean, he, I think he was like second or third in air yards last week. And it just nothing worked. Robbie Anderson, the same thing. He got a bunch of targets and nothing seemed to work until Robbie caught one at the end. Um, so the DJ Moore thing, I, I guess that was a mistake. Keenan Allen, I'm just really surprised by. I thought he'd suck up a lot of targets. The reality is, I'm pretty sure Keenan was the leading receiver on the team with 50 yards. It's just they couldn't do anything against the Ravens defense. And we talked about, Mike specifically talked about the the idea that, you know, traveling, was the, this was the first West Coast to East Coast trip for the Chargers. It was a weird line. It was just a weird spot for the Chargers. But they were so flat, I, like I genuinely kind of can't believe it. So my mistakes were definitely right there. I mean, Kareem Hunt got injured, 70% ownership. I'm not really going to cry about that. Kelsey and Hardman, they didn't really destroy me. Pat Mahomes, he didn't really destroy me. Ricky Seals-Jones was fine. Browns, D didn't destroy me. What I really needed to do was come off DJ Moore and get to Cooper Cup or Daryl Henderson somehow. And I didn't do that. And that's what cost me ultimately. Let's move on over to my cash game lineup, and I wind up with 129.48 and a somewhat similar lineup to the rest of you guys. I had a full-on game stack uh, with the Chiefs and Washington football team as well, three by two. I had Mahomes, I had Tyreek Hill, I had Miko Hardman, and then I had Ricky Seals-Jones, and I actually went with Terry McLaurin. So, see, you had DJ Moore where you kind of spent up at that mid-tier, and I went with Terry McLaurin, uh, and it's clear to me that... McLaurin is just not a good cash play right now. He has 30-plus DK points in two games this year. He has 10.2 points or less in the other four games. So I don't mm -hmm. know if this is a matter of just we have to wait until Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback again. He's still getting the targets, but he's just his floor is not safe enough uh, to use in cash games. Uh, again, that is Terry McLaurin. And for me, 
I didn't go with the dual tight end because I actually really liked the running backs this week. And I like Khalil Herbert and I like Kareem Hunt. And I went with Chuba Hubbard here and at 9% ownership, I actually don't mind it because there's no Christian McCaffrey here. Uh, and I really like the matchup. The Vikings were without one of their better defensive linemen here in this game. Uh, so if you told me beforehand I could get him at 9% ownership, like, sure, I'm totally in on that. Coming off a game where he had like 29 touches, five receptions the week before, he score, scores early in this game and then really does nothing else afterwards. Uh, and I actually had $100 less in this lineup, so I easily could have played Daryl Henderson over Chuba Hubbard, uh, and, and ultimately I did not. And, and because of that, I've earned this from week six. Le who? The her. Ah, uh, see ya. What, what, what do you think about this this lineup here? The decision not to go with Travis Kelsey to, to run with the, uh, the running back, specifically Chuba Hubbard. I don't really mind the, the Travis Kelsey thing. I think McLaurin, you know, that was really iffy. I didn't play really, I, I didn't play much of him this week because he he had that lingering injury and I just, I just wasn't sure, you know, a lot of, a lot of times these guys suit up and, and they're almost used as more of a, a decoy than anything else. So four receptions, 28 yards, I expected a little bit more than that, you know, just because, you know, Heineke force feeds this guy he has since he came in, but it just. I'm not really shocked there. Chuba Hubbard is the is the one I probably wouldn't have gone with. I th- definitely think because you would recommend a Daryl Henderson earlier in the week. I thought because McCaffrey was going back on IR that it was going to be really the DJ Moore and maybe Robbie Anderson show, but specifically DJ Moore in the short area passes. I think they they tried that and it just didn't work. I think that's more Sam Darnold than anything else. But I wasn't really big on Chuba Hubbard just because of the value. I mean, I definitely would have played like Daryl Williams instead, Daryl Henderson instead. Th- those guys I liked a lot better. That was another thing too, right? Like I easily could have played Daryl Williams. There were there was a lot of good running back value this week, and and again Daryl Henderson right there in the same price range as Shuba Hubbard. The thing was like, it's like, do I really want that many players in one game? And it turned out, yeah, I should have. I should have uh, wanted Daryl Williams in the spot. It was so tilting too because he scores that touchdown from like three or four yards out, and if I get another like Mahomes to basically anyone outside of Travis Kelsey, I, I this this lineup probably cashes. Uh, but yeah. Uh, you you fade Daryl Henderson, Cooper Cup, and uh, Daryl Williams, and this is what you wind up with in cash. Mike, I, I did want to ask you <clears throat> a quick question because the final point I wanted to make about this lineup, I purposely put Kareem Hunt in the flex for late swapping ability. And uh, we're approaching the afternoon games, and I'm right on the cash line. I'm like right on the cusp there. And I chose not to swap off because I, I truly thought that Kareem Hunt was just going to have this monster game. So I was like, all right, even if he's like, 60 plus percent owned if he has the game that i think he does like i'm gonna move up with everybody else and i'm still gonna be all right cashing and it turns out what happens happened um what do you think should i have swapped to like a josh jacobs or or odell beckham or or Cortland sutton in this spot what do you think Uh, i do not think so i think that those decisions are usually going to be reserved for like when you have that wide receiver two wide receiver three or even i guess you know someone like Devontae adams like a big player like that that's when I think it's okay to swap. But when you're swapping off of the number one overall value on the slate, uh, that's not something I would recommend doing. Uh, You you did get the floor game, and it's unfortunate that the floor game happened and you would have been correct. But I don't think that that process would have been correct, swapping off in that spot, just because he was projecting as the best overall value on the slate. Um, You know, salary just didn't matter at that point. It was just like an Alexander Madison play. Like if Nick Chubb is out again and they're in a game that should have been competitive, should have been high scoring playing at home, he's an $8,000 running back. Yep. And if Kareem Hunt has that Madison type game where he puts up, you know, 30 plus points, then again, 
I cash, but it's you know it's easier to say obviously uh, in hindsight here. So a few takeaways: don't fade Cooper Cup. Trust the process early in the week, uh, and, and you know hopefully good things will come. Let's move on over to GPP lineups, and we will start with Mike. And apparently, you know, Mike, you felt good about this lineup. Uh, 124.88 points. Walk us through it here. Yeah, this was the worst lineup I had of the week. Uh, and I wanted to share it just because I actually liked the lineup. I thought it was a fine team. Um, you know, a lot of correlations that I liked. Everything looked, in my opinion, good, felt good. Um, so what we built off of here was a Taylor Heineke stack to McLaurin and Ricky Seals-Jones. If Taylor Heineke was going to have that ceiling game that allowed him to be in a winning tournament lineup, there was a very high probability he was going to be connecting with Terry McLaurin and Ricky Seals-Jones. He did connect with Ricky Seals-Jones. He did not connect at all with Terry McLaurin. I got Cooper Cup in here as he was the obvious pivot that I mentioned really on the show all week uh, from Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams or really any wide receiver at the top. DeAndre Swift correlated with the Lions defense, um, got both of them in there. Kareem Hunt, and then the bring back for the Kareem Hunt was Rondale Moore, who had, before this game, played a season high in snaps, outran Christian Kirk in routes, and then was going to be facing a lot of zone coverage. And zone coverage is something that he should be good in with his speed. He should be able to go down and find the holes and sit down in the zone. Um, as it should have eliminated deeper shots to Christian Kirk, should have eliminated deeper shots to DeAndre Hopkins, and there was 25 to 30 mile per hour winds. So I was looking for shorter passes around the line of scrimmage, finding holds in the zone. Did not materialize at all, but I still love the play. So overall, this was one of my favorite builds of the week, and of course it became my worst lineup of the week very, very quickly. Uh, But overall, that was one of my favorite builds. Can I just say something there too? Because I mean, you know, we we always kind of look back at these as a learning tool, but I think it's really important to show that particular lineup because nine, I would probably say seven or eight out of 10 times that lineup is going to hit to some degree much better than it did. I mean, when you have Heineke in a 55 point total with his best receiver that he's force feeding, rookie Seals Jones, who was getting the same target share that Logan Thomas is. And then you have the best tight end in the game to bring it back with. Like th- that's going to hit seven or eight. And so this is the type of lineup where, yeah, it is Taylor Heineke, but you don't really question too much. So I, I think it's important to know the mistakes you made. Like my lineup, my cash lineup, there are some mistakes in there for sure. But the lineup we just showed on the screen, that's Mike's. I mean, that that was a very well thought out. Uh, lineup. The, the one thing I'll say about Rondale Moore, and I think this is important to just lay out there for the future, there's nothing reliable about the Arizona offense from a production standpoint other than Kyler Murray. I mean, just look at James Conner and Chase Edmonds. All of a sudden, James Conner's a 54% snap share and Chase Edmonds is a 36% snap share. And we know what's going on with the, the four receivers that just sort of seem to rotate differently every single week. So um, again, I, I just wanted to point that out about Arizona. But to me, that lineup by Mike is, is pretty solid. Yeah, and, and you know what is also, like, to add on to the Cardinals, they've kind of been frustrating this year because they're just spreading the ball around, and you're right, it's Kyler Murray at the top of everything, but they just added Zach Ertz to the mix, too, so I don't think that, you know, Ertz is necessarily going to steal a ton of targets from, like, DeAndre Hopkins, the top name in the office, but would it surprise me if he has more targets than, like, Max Williams was getting? No, that wouldn't, because Zach Ertz is a better pass catcher than uh, Max Williams. So now we have another name in the mix, and Chase Edmonds, and all of those wide receivers. So we really like the player, Rondale Moore, but this is just a reminder. The Cardinals put up 37 points, and Moore only put up 5.6 DK points, and he went back to running less routes than Christian Kirk in Week 6. Let's move on to 
a GPP lineup from Sia here where you put up 143.34 over on DraftKings. Lots of correlation. I actually love the build here, but just ultimately does not come through. What happens to you? Yeah, I mean, it, so of course my stack is is Burrow to Jamar Chase, which which I loved going into the week. You bring it back with DeAndre Swift. I could have brought it back with like a cheaper Amon Ross St. Brown and gotten a different running back in there. In retrospect, that would have worked better because I could have put Daryl Henderson there, for example. Um, anyway, so Daryl Williams, we've talked about. We liked him. He, he's like we said this last week. They are going to rely on Daryl Williams more than they are going to rely rely on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It's just the reality. They trust Daryl Williams more, which is why he got more targets. He's already I think he had he's had nine targets in the last two games. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 10 through the first five games, and he's getting the rush attempts. So Daryl Williams is just a, a lock-button guy in this offense, not week to week, but especially come th- this week. Again, I'm not going to say he's lock-button because of all the other weapons, but Daryl Williams is, is going to be a great value. I got Tyreek Hill in there against the, the Washington secondary. Again, the big mistake here, other than the Browns D, which I don't really qualify as a huge mistake, is Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, I mean, Jamar Chase could have had a better game, but – the only mistake looking back perhaps is Keenan Allen, uh, especially considering his – this is a GPP. When you consider that he was 24% owned, I probably could have pivoted somewhere else. Um, but honestly, there's not much else that's regrettable here. I, I was probably close to the cash uh, to, to cashing on this one. It just fell a little short, and it was just maybe one or two players away from being a solid lineup. Darrell Williams, by the way, had 24 touches last week. That was more than Clyde Edwards – Elair had in any game this season, and it it's it's more than Clyde Edwards Elair has had in a game since week six of last year, dating back to 2020. So uh, it is clear that they are going to at least in games where they have a lead, they are going to lean on uh, Daryl Williams. Mike, what do you think of this lineup? I think it's good. I uh, you know for me, other than that, I, I wasn't super high on Keenan Allen, but that's really the only thing. Uh, I love Swift, and I know you mentioned bringing it back with him on your St. Brown, but. I, I really would have preferred Swift anyway, like you did. Uh, Swift is a little more reliable in terms of the game script not really mattering. Like mm-hmm. Swift should have been getting there in a game that was super competitive. He should have been getting there in a game where they were not competitive as well. So I like Swift a lot in that spot. Uh, for me, Keenan Allen's the only one of those players that just was not in my player pool this week. Other than that, everyone else was in there. All right, I'm going to pull up a single-entry lineup that I used myself, and it winds up with 111.38. I mentioned at the top, lots of snowflakes. Yes, if you're watching along here on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash today, you will see a bunch of snowflakes. In fact, five of them here uh, in this lineup. And in hindsight, like there was way too much chalk in this lineup, even with it being a single-entry. Uh, Ravens. Three by one stack is what I go with here. Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. I brought it back with Keenan Allen. Sucker for Keenan Allen, of course. Uh, And Marquise Brown, by the way, dropped another touchdown. Yes. He's been so frustrating this year. Like, while he's had massive games, it's been like, all right, the games where we buy in and we're like, okay, he's he's really been a good value all all year in terms of his salary. Uh, But the ones where, like, we actually are on him, those are the games where like he drops touchdowns and the ones where, you know, maybe we don't have as much Hollywood Brown as we should. Those are the games where he absolutely goes off. So he's been a very frustrating player. Uh, but overall, the Ravens offense this week, like we got a touchdown from Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell on the goal line. Like if Lamar Jackson gets one of those, it's it's a different week. Right. So it's just very, very frustrating. I had uh, DeAndre Swift. I had T Higgins on the bring back in that game. Daryl Williams, the chalk hits there. Kareem Hunt does not. Uh, see you. Go with you here. Uh, what do you think of this build? 
Yeah, I don't mind it. Lamar Jackson to, to Marquise Brown, you, you bring it back with Swift. I, again, Lamar should have had probably twice the points he had, if, if, especially if this game was as competitive as it should have been. Again, Keenan Allen looks to be a mistake but that the both of us made. I know I jammed him into way too many lineups. Again, T. Higgins, it was one of those things where it wasn't really competitive. He was on the sidelines, like Mike said. I don't really have a problem with this lineup. I mean, Marquise Brown, I'm starting to worry about a little bit, especially with Rashad Bateman. You know, he's going to be back in full force. Duvernay's getting targets. Um, you know, Sammy Watkins is still on this team. Mark Andrews is starting to get more targets. So Marquise Brown is definitely like a hit or miss guy, which is fine for GPP. But I may start shifting my focus to a different maybe hit or miss guy, um, not named Marquise Brown in the future. Yeah, and I definitely uh, cannot blame you for that. Uh, Mike, we'll save your thoughts for our DFS, our FFT DFS contest winner, which uh, we'll talk about right now. Our The link is currently live in the YouTube description, in the podcast description. If you want to compete against Sia, Mike, and myself, 150 entries over on DraftKings, $5 to enter. The top 15 gets paid out. And uh, shout out to Tebow904. Man, I haven't heard about uh, Tim Tebow since, I don't know, he got cut from the Jaguars, whatever. It's been a while, but uh, yeah, shout out to to Tebow904. He wins the contest this week, takes down 135 bucks, and scores 179.58 here. Uh, and very similarly to the lineup I had, had a Ravens stack with Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews uh, just did a whole bunch of other things better. Uh, so it goes with Hubbard and Daryl Williams as the chalk. Cooper Cup has him in the lineup here. Obviously changes a bunch of things. But the moneymakers, Adam Thielen at 3% ownership, 32.8, a squeaky wheel game for him. He goes off against the Panthers. And then the Colts defense pay up a little bit here. 3,500 at 4.7% ownership against the Houston Texans offense and Davis Mills. They put up 15 DK points in this spot. Mike, how would you evaluate this lineup? Oh, it looks good. Uh, the Lamar Jackson, you know, if they, if I told you he was going to play in a game at home where they scored 34 points and I told you he's going to score less than 15 DraftKings points, uh, you, you probably wouldn't believe me, right? You know, they play that game that many times again. I mean, his score is conservatively 50% of where it should be, right? Uh, so everything looks good there. Uh, Keenan Allen, I didn't like, but it makes a ton of sense if you like Lamar. I like pairing it with Mark Andrews. Colts defense is one that should probably have been in my player pool now, looking back at it. They're at home <laughs> in a division game. Division games typically tend to be a little more lower scoring in general like this, and they're playing a really bad team. So at 3500 it's not like they were a $4,000 defense. That was a beautiful call uh, by this user here. And then, of course, Cooper Cup, Daryl Williams, guys that we like, got Ricky Seals-Jones in there. Um, Chuba Hubbard was interesting. It, it got there. I, I would do, If you had told me that the winning lineup had Lamar Jackson and Chuba Hubbard in it after I saw the results of the day. I would have been like, yeah, there's no way. But uh, they got and everything Keenan else Allen. correct. And right? Keenan, and Keenan Allen. Allen. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, that's what happens when, when you hit on, uh, you know, again, Daryl Williams, Monster Game, Cooper Cup, and just Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen is the, uh, that's that's the moneymaker right there, again, at, at 3% ownership. So shout out to Tebow904 for taking this one down. And shout out to my dad. He finished fifth in our week six contest and he cashes before I do. Surprise, surprise. Uh, job well done by him. See, I know that you have to run. Uh, would you like to give any very early week seven thoughts here? It is by apocalypse. We have six teams on a bye and they are all very good teams. Bills, Cowboys, Vikings, Steelers, Chargers and Jaguars. Maybe not all good teams, but like good players on these teams. So I'll give a quick just sketch of, of some of the games I like before you guys really get into it. I mean, KC at Tennessee, obviously. Let's let's remember Caleb Farley is out for the season. He's one of the good cornerbacks, one of the few good 
defensive backs for the Tennessee Titans. So they're going to have a week to scheme for that secondary. It could be a field day for, for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Bengals at Ravens is very interesting from a stack standpoint. Eagles at Raiders as well. These are all totals of 47 or higher. That KC Tennessee total is 56 and a half as far as I see it. Uh, Lions Rams is interesting only because it is the Rams, even though that's a 15 and a half point total. And I think a sneaky one might be Houston at Arizona. Let me just say a couple guys that I like at the running back and wide receiver position before I skip out. Um, Daryl Henderson at 6,600. Damian Harris, 5,700. Um, Miles Sanders, maybe sneaky at 5,100. Uh, A.J. Dillon, another sneaky play in what should be a kind of a blowout against the Washington football team at 4,600. A few wide receivers. I'll probably go back to D.J. Moore. He's getting the targets. He's getting the air yards. Sam Darnold just isn't hitting him. I think that's kind of a contrarian play this week. Ridley at 6,600 coming off a bye. It looks like Kadarius Toney is going to be hurt this coming week again. And so Sterling Shepard got a ton of targets last week, 5,600. Tremendous value. Waddle, Ruggs, Higgins, they're all in the 5,600 or below range. And I might go back to Amon Ross St. Brown in a positive game script for him uh, at 4,100. He's 100 cheaper than he was last week. All right. Again, that is see ya. And we appreciate the thoughts. And we will see you on Thursday, my man. That's right. Thanks, guys. All right. See you later, man. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to take a look at week seven pricing here on Fantasy Football Today DFS. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so I mentioned it is apocalypse in week seven. We have six teams on a bye. The Bills, the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Steelers, the Chargers, and the Jaguars. Back-to-back weeks with just 10 games on the main slate. And as of now, we have two games with a total over 50 points. That is the Chiefs at the Titans, which is far and away the highest total. It's 56 and a half, according to Caesar Sportsbook. And then we have the Lions at the Rams with the Rams as a... I believe the last I saw a 15-point favorite. We currently have three games with a 12-point favorite or more. So again, this just makes the week very interesting. Let's start at the quarterback position like we always do. There are two over 8K over on DraftKings. Kyler Murray is 8,500 going up against the Texans where the Cardinals are an 18.5-point favorite. And then Patrick Mahomes is 8,400 at the Titans uh, with the game with the highest total on the slate. Um, there's no surprise that both of those quarterbacks are the highest priced on FanDuel as well. And just below that 8K range, we have uh, four that are 7K or more. We have Matthew Stafford, 7,100. As a huge favorite, I normally I joke about the revenge game stuff, but him going up against the Lions, there might be a little bit extra added motivation here for Matthew Stafford. Lamar Jackson is 7,400 in an important division game against the Bengals, Aaron Rodgers 7,500 versus Washington, and Tom Brady 7,700 versus the Bears. Mike, what are you thinking about the quarterback position? You know, it gets boring at the top, but this 
where it's you start and end with Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Uh, it's the two guys that uh, you're going to have a very competitive game, very high scoring game for Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think it's an absolutely great spot for him once again. And there's enough value at the running back position to make it work very comfortably. We still have Ricky Seals Jones at tight end. So there, there's all sorts of really nice plays that make it work. And then Lamar Jackson, you mentioned it's a super competitive game in terms of like they need to win it. They must win this division game. They got to go beat the Bengals, take care of them here. So those are where I'm going at the top. I have some interest in Jalen Hurts. Uh, just always seems to get there uh, in terms of fantasy points. So at 6,900, I think it's an interesting drop off there. And then Matthew Stafford, you mentioned him as well. I, I do think that they're going to let him throw. Um, this game should get out of hand relatively quickly, but I think it'll – They'll let him throw the passing touchdowns more so than the running game. I do think they'll let him take advantage of this little revenge game. Um, so that's where I'm looking as of now. You could throw Ryan Tannehill in there if you want to, uh, playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. But at the top and in cash games, it'll for sure be, once again, Patrick Mahomes. And Jalen Hurts is kind of that new age Lamar Jackson. I say that right, like Lamar Jackson is old, but uh, in that you don't have to stack Jalen Hurts with anyone just because so much of his production comes from rushing and specifically rushing touchdowns. So keep that in mind. If there's someone that you like, Dallas Goddard, if he returns this week and he's off COVID IR, there's no more Zach Ertz, so obviously uh, he should see a good amount of targets. Uh, Devontae Smith is an okay value. But again, if you want to play Jalen Hurts, don't feel like you have to stack him with one of the Eagles pass catchers. A few other just lower price names that I'll throw out there to you, Mike. Sam Darnold is 5,900. I know he hasn't played as... He hasn't played well the past couple of weeks, but he's still running, and he's at the Giants, a defense that has been getting shredded up. It's his return to New Jersey and MetLife Stadium, if whatever, if you want to play off that. Uh, and then Matt Ryan has, he doesn't run kind of a statue quarterback, but he's playing well. He's 5,700, and he is at the Dolphins. Uh, their defense has been a huge letdown this year as well. Any interest in those two, Darnold, Matt Ryan? Um, I could see some interest in Matt Ryan if you felt good about stacking some of the pass catchers. So Miami's going to play with a super quick pace, uh, and I think it's still a game that's going to be competitive. So I, I do like uh, Matt Ryan just a little bit. Um, you, you know, it's tournament-only play. It's definitely not a cash game play that I would even consider. But at 5,700, I do think it opens up enough uh, in tournaments. So I think you're, you know, if you want to stack him with Calvin Ridley, I think Calvin Ridley will have a big game at some point this season. Um, I think it's okay. I don't love it, but I think it's okay. Okay, I don't think it's going to kill you, and I think it does allow you to get different enough the rest of the lineup just because of you know what are you saving almost two thousand dollars from Patrick Mahomes or three almost three thousand from Patrick Mahomes uh, definitely creates some roster differentiation by doing that. All right, let's move on to running back. And I want to talk a little bit more about Derrick Henry because we always bring up the name, obviously, and we mention he's the highest-priced running back on the slate basically every single week. But then we always kind of gloss over it and we're like, well, his salary's so high, we're probably not going to play him. He is now 9,200. He's going up against the Chiefs this week. Very high point total. And as we saw Monday Night Football, when these games, even if they like play from behind a little bit, in these uber-competitive games, those are the ones where Derrick Henry could just absolutely smash. So from weeks two through six, Henry has now averaged 34.88 DraftKings points, and he has scored three touchdowns exactly in three of those five games. So obviously it's it's touchdown-reliant, and you don't want to bet on touchdowns, Mike. I understand that. But the, the role that he has and how often they go to him in the red zone, 
you kind of almost start the projection with like at least one touchdown, and you know the ceiling could be three or or even four for Derrick Henry. Yeah, no, it's tough. And I think that the only thing that's going to, like last week that might have kept you from playing him, or obviously the week before, is just it's always the running back value, right? It's a, it's a position that has the value that opens up through injury the most frequently. And that's likely the case this week. Uh, he's not going to make cash game rosters unless something changes, right? So, like, we still have Daryl Williams in the same game. If you want to game stack it up and do that, uh, you're not going to be able to play Mahomes, Henry, and Tyree Kill. It's going to be very difficult to get all three of those guys in there. Uh, I'd rather take the correlated play with Mahomes and pair him with one of the better receivers personally. Um, so just because of the position that he plays, it's unfortunate, but he's probably going to get left out again in cash games and probably because of that going to be a lot better play in tournaments again. All right, well, let's take a look at the mid-tier standouts and uh, Daryl Henderson going up against the Detroit Lions. Henderson in the games he's played this year, he's seen the snaps, he's seen the touches, he's been absolute money, and now it's a great spot. Huge favorites at home against the Lions uh, in a great matchup. Lions have been awful against running backs, so Daryl Henderson, 6,600. People like to chase the points, too, so he's going to be very, very popular uh, in Week 7. Joe Mixon is at the Ravens. We mentioned competitive game there, coming off a game where I believe it was... Either it was definitely a season high in targets and receptions. It might have even been a career high for Joe Mixon. Uh, so he's at the Ravens, 6,500. Chuba Hubbard, once again, at the Giants, 6,100, filling in for Christian McCaffrey. DeAndre Swift, like, he's he's scary. He's definitely scary to play because like you get in deep into the fourth quarter and he has like three or four points, and then he just catches a bunch of passes and manages to score a touchdown. But he's at the Rams. He is 6K. And then Darrell Williams, who you already mentioned, Mike, is at the Titans. He's 5,800, and I think... Firmly in the player pool. Oh, yeah. Firmly in the player pool. Darrell Williams is definitely like I, I just ran an initial run. He's in 100% of lineups uh, when optimizing. So he's going to be there for sure. 5,800. Um, the real question, I guess, is going to be uh, Khalil Herbert. Is he going to be in play again? Is Williams going to be acted, activated off the COVID list? So with the... I don't, you don't always want to like speculate whether someone like really has a bad case of COVID or not. But from what I understood, like he was like actually had COVID, like actually was dealing with it and not just showed up on there and try and get a negative test or two quickly to be activated again. So it'll be interesting to see um, if we're playing Cleo Herbert again uh, at 5,200 or not. I like what Sia said before he signed off. AJ Dillon is super interesting here in that game against the Washington football team. Uh, I think that's potentially a really, really good spot for him. I have some interest in Chase Edmonds. Uh, I'm looking at a lot of these, you know, middle tier value type running backs. Um, and then he also mentioned, was it you or him? One of you guys mentioned Miles Sanders. Uh, this could be an interesting spot there. They got him some hand, some carries in that last game. This is one that projects that. It projects at a spot where he should be able to get some touches, catch some passes out of the backfield. Um, I, I like him just a little bit at this point, but the only thing that's locked in for sure right now is Daryl Williams at 5,800. Yeah, the Khalil Herbert question is going to be tough because even if Damian Williams doesn't play, I, th I think the workload will be there. The problem is they're huge underdogs, right? Like we thought the game last week could get out of hand against the Packers. It definitely could get out of hand against Tampa Bay. And then on top of that, Tampa is just a great run defense. So normally, you know, we don't put much stock into matchup, but like the Bucks are literally the worst run, like the worst running matchup for the worst matchup for a running back. So keep that in mind for Khalil Herbert. Another name that stood out to me, I'm with you, Miles Sanders. Like he's coming off a game. He played 83% of the snaps. He's on the field a lot. 
Uh, and I think that we kind of got like a squeaky wheel thing going on. I think they want to get Miles Sanders involved. The only other name, Mike Davis. Corderell Patterson is like clearly better at this point, but Mike Davis is still playing, and he's getting double-digit touches, and he's at the Dolphins. Good matchup. He's only 5,200, so he was another name that stood out to me. Yeah, no, he's definitely going to be right there. Uh, it's you know That's really the range we're going to be looking for, right, for most of our builds. If you're not playing Derrick Henry, you're going to play Daryl Williams and then somebody else in that 4500 to maybe $6,000 range, most likely. Maybe you'll just jam Daryl Henderson and Daryl Williams and, and call it a day. But for the most part, if you're not playing Derrick Henry, the builds that you're probably building, you're going to be looking for another value running back for sure this week. Yeah, that's the main decision point, Mike. I think you either pay up for Derrick Henry or you pay up for one of these higher-priced wide receivers. And if you're paying up for the wide receiver, then obviously you're living uh, in that mid-tier at, at running back. And speaking of wide receiver, we have three of them that are over 8K on DraftKings this week. Devontae Adams versus Washington. He is 8,900. Tyreek Hill is at the Titans. They are. Uh, he is 8,600. And then Cooper Cup is at home against the Lions, 8,400. Obviously, you know, I start the podcast, like, don't fade Cooper Cup. Now, I mean, it's getting a little bit more prohibitive because 8400 that is a very high price tag, and you have to decide, all right, Coop, Hill, uh, Cup, Hill, or Adams, and it's a it's a tough decision. It is a tough decision because uh, Cooper Cup continues to get there no matter what. Um, for me, it's totally going to depend on what... Uh, what the ownership looks like, you know, we'll have a good report on that on Thursday. But if it looks like Cup is not going to be the lowest owned of the three, I'm probably not going to play him. And if he is going to be the lowest owned of the three, then I will definitely have some interest there. Uh, I'm very interested to see what the ownership numbers come back on with Devontae Adams being all the way up to 8,900. Um, just because you save 500, which if you're pay- playing an $8,900 player, saving $500 is a significant deal for the most part. Uh, so that drop off to cup and then Tyreek being cheaper, we already have interest in playing Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be very interesting to see, like I'm at Tyreek's for sure going to be in my player pool for sure going to be in lineups because I'm playing Patrick Mahomes, but it's going to be really interesting to see whether we're going to lean towards Cooper cup or Devontae Adams. And for me, it's going to simply be an ownership call because I like both players. Yeah, and I know you know saving five hundred might not sound very significant, but it is. I mean that you know that makes a difference um, in in getting up to maybe even an even better mid tier running back or, or someone else that you like yep. in your lineup. And, and the roles are not dissimilar. I mean Devonte Adams far and away highest target share in the NFL, thirty six percent. Cooper Cup number two in the NFL, thirty four percent. So both of those numbers are massive. Uh, for Adams and Cup. The mid-tier standouts for me, a lot of names that Sia brought up. DJ Moore at the Giants, 7,100. We just saw Cooper Cup absolutely eat them alive. Calvin Ridley. This was the one, like, just scrolling through salaries right away. Calvin Ridley, first time below 7K this year. He's at the Dolphins. He's 6,600. The other one that stood out right away to me, Chris Godwin. He's going up against the Bears. He is the cheapest of the three Tampa wide receivers this week. He's below 6K. He's 5,900. A few others. Jamar Chase uh, at the Ravens. He drops down $500 in salary from last week. He's 6,200. And then Brandon Cooks, again, a name that I brought up last week that you know was was pretty good if you if you correlated him with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he is at the Cardinals, likely chasing points. He is only 6K. Mike, any of these mid-tier standouts that you like? Uh, there are a few that you did not mention that I love. Um, Go I, for it. McCall Hardman. He's just simply too cheap still for the role that he has. He's been very close to breaking big plays for touchdowns many, many times. He's going to have the week where he lands in the end zone twice. What will it be this week? Obviously, 
we'll see if the variance is in our favor, but uh, he's got all the opportunity in the world at 4,300. And then AJ Brown, um, Julio Jones is almost certainly going to miss this game uh, after leaving with that hamstring injury again. I love the amount of routes that he ran from the slot last night. He looked fantastic in the slot for Tennessee. I think that they're really going to, the Chiefs are really going to struggle to defend him and Derrick Henry. Um, I, I think there's going to be a huge spot for AJ Brown. He's, just like uh, Daryl Williams, a lot of it helps that they're in the same game. But when I run the initial projections, he's in 100% of lineups, just like Daryl Williams is at the running back spot. So A.J. Brown, a lot of him. Nicole Hardman going to have a lot of him. And then Marquise Brown, we can't forget about him, 5,800 in the division matchup. Uh, I think that it could be a nice opportunity to jump back on that after the real Poor performance, the drop touchdown. Uh, this is a division game. It could get a lot more competitive than one might think. I think it might be a good time to go back to Hollywood Brown. A few other values as well. I'm with you right there with Nicole Hardman. Amon St. Brown, he's at the Rams, 4,100. He's basically the number three pass catcher now between uh, behind TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. If you want to correlate, if you're playing Devontae Adams, the Bears wide receivers are just dirt cheap. Allen Robinson's 5,100. Darnell Mooney caught a touchdown last week. He's 4,600. And then just two names below 4K. Van Jefferson is 3,500. And Rashad Bateman is 3,400. He played 65% of the snaps last week. He was tied for the team lead in targets with six. So it's pretty interesting that Rashad Bateman, uh, you know, first game, they're, they're getting him involved as much as they did. A.J. Brown, you brought up the slot rate, by the way. He ran 26 routes on Monday Night Football, 14 of those in the slot. His 52% slot route percentage was a season high for A.J. Brown. So you're spot on with that. Uh, we know that slot routes uh, and slot targets generally are more valuable than uh, than targets on the outside. The tight end position. Go ahead. Go ahead Let back. me go one, real quick. One more value play at wide receiver. I think we have to mention Dante Pettis uh, for the New York Giants, just knowing that Tony is out. He managed to pick up. I know the game script obviously helped a lot, but the good news is, is the Giants are mostly in a neutral or negative game script every single time they take the football field. He racked up 11 targets in that game. Uh, only caught five of them, 48 yards without a touchdown, but he is the bare minimum $3,000 on DraftKings. We might end up throwing him in there. Like, if you want to jam Derrick Henry in a lineup, you want to jam Tyreek Hill in the lineup, Cooper Cup, or two of those three players together with a top tier quarterback like Lamar or Patrick Mahomes. Dante Pettis is not the slam dunk that Ricky Seals Jones was last week at the tight end position, but at $3,000. In a neutral or negative game script, I do not hate it. I mean, the, the guy got 11 targets last week in what should be a relatively similar situation. And Mike, I'll let you talk to me about Dante Pettis all day long because I remember drafting this guy a couple of years ago in season-long leagues on the 49ers. I thought he was going to be this breakout. You know, he ended the previous year uh, just a great, like, second half. I've, I even forget what year it was. It was probably, like, 2018 or 2019, whatever it was. But, uh, yeah, Dante Pettis, he could be on the field a lot for the New York Giants here in week seven. Tight end, it's kind of an early, the, the early read for me is tough. Um, a lot of high-priced tight ends, obviously, here on the slate. Travis Kelsey, back up to 7,600. Darren Waller is 67. Mark Andrews is up to 6K, and rightfully so. His role has been amazing uh, in that game against the Bengals this week. Mike Gusecki stands out in the mid-tier. He's been getting a lot of targets uh, to his first game back, and, and he had a pretty big game here. He's 4,700. Dallas Goddard, if he can get on the field, I think might be in play in that mid-tier. Uh, a few cheaper names. Zach Ertz making his debut, 3,900 against the Texans. Maybe 
they want to feature him a little bit. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones again is 37, and then CJ Uzama is someone who is popping up in optimizers early in the week. He is at the Ravens and he is 3K. What do you think about the tight end position? Yeah, it's going to be just like last week for me. Uh, it's going to be Ricky Seals-Jones. He's not quite in 100%, but he's in 90% uh, on the initial run. So still very high on him. I like the way Taylor Heineke looks to him. Should be a great game script again, almost identical to last week. We expect them to be down by one to two scores for most of this game. Uh, and it's just a really comfortable bring back if you're interested in playing Devontae Adams. It just makes a lot of sense in that game. So Ricky Seals-Jones, the obvious play at this point. Uh, I have interest in Travis Kelsey. Again, obvious reasons. Playing Patrick Mahomes is one of the better pass catchers. Should be a very competitive game. Mark Andrews also makes sense. Um, but then I think you can look at Mike Kosicki, Dallas Goddard. Uh, I think those guys are fringe playable. Um, you know, you don't have to pair anyone with Jalen Hurts when you play him. But if you do, I think it's okay to play Dallas Goddard with him, especially if you're not like super high on Ricky Seals-Jones. I do think it's a decent leverage play and a decent pivot, knowing that you're paying up $900 from Ricky Seals-Jones to get to Dallas Goddard. Not a lot of people are going to end up doing that on this slate, I don't think. Could be very wrong about that, but we'll see what happens you know, over the next 48 hours as we get some more industry data. But as of right now, it's Ricky Seals-Jones. All right, let's take a... A quick look at Thursday Night Football. Obviously, it's it's early here. We're two days away, uh, but the Browns are three-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Denver Broncos with a 42-and-a-half-point total. Could see a lot of defense in this spot. Kareem Hunt placed on injured reserve. Nick Chubb has already been ruled out. So if you are looking at those backup running backs on DraftKings in the showdown slate, uh, Demetri Felton is 5K. Dearness Johnson is 4,600. I saw... They also signed John Kelly, I believe, off their practice squad. He is $200 in this spot. I don't know if he's actually going to be active, but a name to uh, remember. Baker Mayfield says it's his decision whether or not he'll play on Thursday as he deals with this left shoulder injury. Mike, was there anything that stood out too early here between the Broncos and the Browns? Uh, yeah, I mean, just the running back pricing, as you mentioned. Uh, there, there's a lot of good value out there on the Browns side. Um you know, Demetri Felton's in there. Yes, his price shot up, but I do think that Kelly's someone that's going to get some run. Uh, John Kelly, that is. I think he was a fine player when he's had some opportunities. Now he's going to have opportunities at $200 as long as he's like active, active for this game. It's going to be pretty much a free square uh, on the Thursday night slate. Um, on the other side, I think you got to look at Cortland Sutton a little bit. And then I guess the last thing I'll mention on Baker Mayfield, and it is his decision if he plays, I think that's going to come down to like, is Odo Beckham going to play also? Like, I think those two decisions might be correlated. I think that Baker Mayfield and the Browns organization in general, like if they're down the two linemen, they're down both running backs, they're down Odo Beckham. Like, is there a lot of reason to go jam Baker Mayfield out there if he's not, you know, really truly healthy? Probably not. So I, I think that those are going to be correlated. Um, if Baker Mayfield or if Odo Beckham is good to go and ready to play, I think that's going to be enough of a weapon that they're going to feel comfortable sending Baker Mayfield out there. Uh, but as of right now, it's it could be a Case Keenum game. I have a few names that I wanted to throw out that just stood out to me with their price. Kendall Hinton is 2K. He's been on the field a lot recently for the Denver Broncos. You might remember he started at quarterback for them last year when they had that COVID situation. But he's been on the field and, he, and he's running a lot of routes from the slot for the Denver Broncos. So I'll throw him out there. And Donovan Peoples-Jones, I mean kind of fluky last week he had the Hail Mary I get it but he is uh, 6400 so if Odell Beckham doesn't play even if it's Case Keenum he's 
probably got to throw the ball to someone. Uh, so I would imagine Donovan Peoples-Jones is on the field and, and running lots of routes on Thursday against the Broncos. We teased it at the top, and let's just wrap up here. Obviously, there's a little bit of correlation here. It's DFS podcast, and, and NBA DFS starts on Tuesday, October 19th here tonight. Uh, fun fact, basketball is actually my favorite sport. It's the first sport that I grew up playing. I absolutely love the New York Knicks, so I hope that they are great this year. Uh, although they are not playing on Tuesday, they will tip off on Wednesday. Mike, any tips for people who are trying to get into NBA DFS for the first time? Pay attention to the news. Doesn't really matter much on the first night of the season, but you must be on top of injury news. You must understand that opportunity is everything. So the, if you can accurately project minutes played, and when I say accurately, I mean accurately project minutes played in DFS NBA, you'll be off to a great start as there's obviously a huge correlation with the number of minutes a player plays and the fantasy production that they put out. The correlation is truly unlike any other DFS sport. Uh, you know, for example, someone running 27 routes and having three targets is not super core. Like they're on the field, but the, it doesn't really correlate one-to-one -one with their fantasy points in the NBA. It does. So focus on minutes played, understand those rotations and then understand correlations, right? So if you're in this spot, like in, yes, there's some advantages to like game stacking in NBA, but you're not necessarily team stacking, right? Which is different from a lot of sports you play. In baseball, it's highly advantageous to stack five players or four players in one lineup. In the NFL, you see me do it every week in cash games. It's highly advantageous to stack quarterback and two players from his team, whether it's a running back, a pass catching running back, another player. In the NBA, you're probably not, unless the salary allows it, like it's probably not in your best interest to go stack Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis all in the same lineup as those fantasy points become negatively correlated. So it's really important to understand that and be able to accurately project minutes and identify that value, which is going to come through injury. And just because you've never heard of the guy, do not be afraid to plug and play because opportunity is everything in the sport of basketball. Oh, yeah, you're going to see, you know, as the, the further the season goes along, I mean, players are going to get hurt. There's going to be, you know, hopefully there's less of it, but there, there could be COVID situations that are going on and, and we're just going to see very random players, G League players, guys come out of nowhere uh, and that are going to be thrust into legitimate roles in the NBA. So I think your first point uh, is the one that people probably should pay attention to most. And that is the news. Just know who's playing, who's in, who's out. And it's something you have to follow all the way up to game time. So keep that in mind if you are uh, just jumping into NBA DFS for the first time. For Mike and Sia, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football T Today DFS. The next time you hear us will be on Thursday when we deep dive every game on the Week 7 main slate. We'll see you then.